Pienso en el momento en que te conocí Me di cuenta que perdí todo sin ti La vida me enseñó que pa' amarte nací Mas no aprendí a olvidar Y cómo hacer sin ti Lo tengo todo más de lo que yo pensé Mas siento que sin ti perdí que fracasé Saqué la puntuación más alta en el amor Pero de nada vale Tony Dice Tengo un gran conocimiento Mucho más que eso Tengo un doctorado Tengo el corazón graduado en sentimiento Con la nota que jamás nadie ha alcanzado Tengo mis sueños contigo Todo lo que sé tú me lo has enseñado Nada de lo que yo conozco es fingido Todo lo que tengo más o menos lo perdí No sé cómo hacer sin ti Teniendo todo nada me queda sin ti ¿De qué me vale? Si tú no estás aquí a mi lado de nada me vale No sé cómo hacer sin ti A bold scientist under the shower. Today is a very special uh, edition because we have uh, someone from Cuba. That's why that was the in, the ins with this uh, first track, uh, El Dottorado, a kind of uh, reggaeton from 2010. Uh, 
from Tony Dizze. Uh, actually, I chose this 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 song for several reasons. One, the first reason is because uh, uh, so in 2010 I was indeed in Cuba and I listened uh, to this uh, song a lot. And then because it's called El Doctorado, and we have uh, a scientist here as uh, every uh, Tuesday at eight on uh, Radio Nuda Italiana is uh, a scientist, a colleague. Actually, is an office mate and uh, a big friend of mine. I call him. I call him uh, on the on the on the Facebook El Compañero, El Compañero, <laughs> El Comandante. Uh, uh, so, Compañero, uh, you here because uh, we are very interested uh, in. Uh, in knowing uh, uh, what is, what is, uh, uh, so we know perfectly because I embodied several uh, guests, how science uh, is, uh, is in Western uh, Europe. We are curious actually, uh, so how this work, how science uh, is also, uh, is also, um, can I say, uh, so the, the science experience in uh, uh, Cuba. But first of all, so I would like to know, I mean, the audience, our public would like to know who are you, what is your academic experience, if you want to tell us something else, whatever you want. Uh, Agustin Lage Castellanos. Casti Castellanos. Castellanos, sorry. Hi, everybody. So, uh, yes, I, I studied chemistry in the bachelor, but I realized that it was really bad in the laboratory <laughs> and also in the, in the kitchen. Then at some point I realized that I need to do something in pen and paper or maximum in the computer. And then I was also afraid of all the chemical stuff and uh, all these dangerous things. And then I decided to move to the theoretical things and then I started working in neuroscience. This was in Cuba, back in Cuba. This was back in Cuba, yes, like, I don't know, like 2003. Oh, wow. And... Where, where, which city of Cuba? Yeah, in Havana. Okay. I studied in Havana University, and then I worked there for more than 10 years in in the field of neuroscience, but my, my original background was in chemistry. Then I have some remembers about that, like the water formula, this kind okay. of thing, very, very basic <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but but your your um, uh, I mean your your uh, uh, trajectory in uh, in chemistry wasn't so uh, success. So, I mean, no, I mean, not at should all. Not at know, all. It should also no, the, know the, that the, the, the professor didn't like me because I was escaping to going to the faculty of physics because I liked <laughs> more the, the 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 lessons of physics. And then the, the people in my faculty they really hate me. <laughs> You should also know that Agustin is very humble, by the way. So I'm sure he was, uh, he could have uh, won the Nobel Prize in uh, chemistry, but uh, not true, but <laughs> anyway, so I cannot cook a rice. Then uh, there is no way this is going to happen. That's actually true. <laughs> That's actually true. Anyway, uh, so then uh, you, you switch or you, you did the PhD in neuroscience. Yeah, I, I worked there for more than 10 years, but for me, like everything related with documents and doing like formalism and bureaucracy was very difficult. And then I, I came here to the Netherlands first time in 2011. I, I, I took more than 10 years to try to organize my PhD in Cuba. It was very difficult for these reasons. And then I came here first time in 2011. I never had a speed in a winter. Uh, was was a shock here. I, I came here first time in October of 2011, and I was really welcomed by the people in in the cognitive department of uh, the Faculty of Psychology of Master's University, particularly the Italian community. Uh, they they gave me knowledge. They gave me the house. They introduced me to their families, and then I started a very 
productive relationship with the Master's University as part of a collaboration between my Cuban institution and Master's University. It was not something personal at that moment. Okay, so there was, uh, so you came here because there was a collaboration between. Yeah, it was a collaboration that. It was a new collaboration? It was. Uh, this something. collaboration was running from a few years, but uh, at, at the moment I came, uh, was uh, becoming more, more serious because some people were uh, changing between one lab and the other. And a few years after, when Massive University replaced the scanners, Massive University sent to, to Cuba the free Tesla Allegra scanner that at that moment was the most powerful scanner we have in the country. So let, um, me, let me understand. So yeah. Maastricht send or give, give. Yeah, they g gave for free this scanner. They gave for free the yeah, scanner. They gave for free the scanner. Wow. Uh, and it was very difficult to organize how to transport the scanner and to, and to set the scanner facilities in my country. But at the end we managed. I remember I had to sleep, uh, to, to sleep in the scanner to, taking care that nobody's going to take <laughs> something from the scanner because the scanner was literally on the street, like uh, covered with a plastic, uh, yeah, a plastic cover protecting from the rain. Yeah, because we're also uh, talking about something that uh, uh, brand new costs something like 3 million euros, right? It was very expensive, but uh, all the hospitals started using this scanner and the, many people got advantage from that, not, not only for research. We use it for clinical purpose and this scanner It's now working in Havana. Okay, so it's still working. Yes, it's still, no, now it's the, 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 the scanner that we use for research, the principal scanner in the country for research. Okay, wow. Yeah. So it's, it's very tight collaboration then. This, yeah, this, for us was amazing. That, uh, before that, we can, uh, was not possible to do fMRI. Ah, like, it was like not possible at all. I we, mean, you probably had a kind of less powerful. We have a less powerful, but um, we, we need to use it in, during the nights because during the days where, where this scanner was used by the hospital. Yeah, of course. And then we have a few hours for doing research at the moment. So, uh, so when you came here, besides the winter, how was your experience in, uh, in uh, research? I mean, understand, uh, having understood the, the, yeah, the, the it's, it's very different. It was a bit shocking. No, the facility we have here in my country is something that no, nobody believe. And yeah, it was great. I, I didn't speak English at all at this moment. <laughs> I'm not speaking true. English very I, well no, now at this moment, but <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to improve a bit. And yeah, for me, it was really to, to be, be becoming a scientist in the Netherlands was, was really something amazing. But then I came back to my country and I continued this collaboration between Master University and the Cuban Neuroscience Centers for many years. And this is why, uh, what we are doing now at this moment. So, and uh, uh, I, I imagine that, uh, so that's just uh, for us, I think very, very interesting and very important to know. So you experienced this for, for uh, some years, how many years actually from 2011 you've been? Yeah, now it's like eight years, eight years. That, that we are so doing this. You have, you have actually the perspective for both worlds, right? Absolutely. So what was, what is your experience? Uh, so what, what is the differences between these two worlds? So what is really, so the everyday life experience? Well, it's, it's really very different. Things that for here, uh, that here in Maastricht are trivial, in Cuba requires a lot of effort. We, we were working in situations without electricity, without, we, we, they, we, we don't have electricity for running the experiments because the, the country was without energy because we, we were in an economical crisis. We don't have uh, money for publishing the articles, not even for reading the articles. Uh, doing experiment costs a lot. 
conference costs a lot and yeah m the most simple things gets very difficult but the people that were there they continue pushing very strong for moving forward so let's uh, so the, the, about the cost of the experiment is, is a very important point because probably people do not know actually uh, at least in in Maastricht one hour uh, scanning with a very powerful uh, scanner costs something like one hour costs a thousand euros um, and uh, also subject cost uh, people cost um, designing uh, an experiment costs a lot of money and. Uh, so I imagine that, uh, I mean, not, not having sometimes the electricity, so not be able to re uh, rely on the, uh, on the electricity, something. Yeah, we, sometimes we didn't have air conditioning. Like, like the most basic since transportation was difficult. The basic things were difficult. Then we need to be very smart in the way we decide how to use the resources we have. Okay. Wow. Wow. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't think that the, the, this was the difference, but actually, uh, yeah, it's another word yeah, compared to the Netherlands, but so it is another word. Uh, it's, it's true. I mean, uh, you experience it, uh, uh, every day, but, uh, having been there, uh, several times and also be a bit passionate about the Cuba and the culture, and uh, and also the, the the some part of the system. I know that there is a massive, so there are probably no resources for uh, for research as you just uh, mentioned. Well, there, there are some resources because the the research is uh, the resources are provided by the government, but there are not much resources in general in the society. Then we need to be very careful in how we distribute these resources. Then it's true, it's true. That compared to the Netherlands, there are not too much. But, and that's the, the point I was uh, saying, um, so there is a massive amount of resources on education, which is, a, I mean, uh, intuitively uh, would be in line uh, uh, to have also resources on research, but of course resources are not uh, never ending, but it's quite peculiar for Cuba, I guess, but you can confirm me this, uh, probably develop on that. It's quite peculiar that there's such a massive resources uh on on education and uh so what what is, yeah, what the, is the, the history of the history of this is quite interesting when when at the triumph of the revolution one year after the the revolution organized like uh, when was the revolution just to remind 1959 and they immediately organized a public campaign to make every person to know how to read and write and then this covered the whole country after this day, organized like a big network. Sorry, sorry, probably because also I don't know, actually, so I'm curious. Uh, what was the situation before the revolution? So we just uh, uh, remind the audience that uh, before the 59, there was uh, uh, a dictator supported by Americans. This, this is a fact, Fulgencio Batista, Batista. Um, that was running uh, the country. So I was, what was the situation of education before 59? I think that they, at that moment they were not completely sure of that, but I think that there were two universities, one in Havana and one in Santiago de Cuba. And then the rest of the country, the conditions were really uh, poor in terms of education and for getting access to to these universities was really difficult for poor people. Then 
What about, about the basic education? Yeah, I'm talking about the yeah also about the basic education. Yeah, you're right. You're right in pointing out this 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 remark that is that there were many people, particularly in the countryside, that they don't even know how to to read. They 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 cannot read the the, the newspaper, the journal. And what was the change after? This situation changed radically after the jump for the revolution. Then evolution provides education massively to the to to the whole Cuban population. And of course, this changed the life of the country. And we, we were expecting that this will improve the economy immediately. But this didn't happen at the same speed that we were expecting that. And then we have like this very particular contradiction of having a very high educated people. Sorry, uh, let me understand. Um, because the, <clears throat> the objective, the goal of uh, um, putting so many resources on education was to speeding up the economy? Well, not was... only, not only, no, no, no. Uh, education itself is a goal, itself is a goal. But mm, it, it's, it's true that uh, nobody questioned that this will become in a, a, a better economy for a country if you have more educated people and also in quality of life or a more secure environment for living And it, this is more true now that the economy is very based in technology than was at that time. That was uh, at that time, the economy was based mostly in agriculture. The Cuban economy depends only uh, at that time uh, de depended only on sugarcane production. That now is not the case. So there was not uh, the <clears throat> as you said that there was not a uh, the same growth of education. These two things were not correlated. Are when when you when you see the graph of uh, the the size of the economy and the number of PhD, for example, in any country, these two things are very correlated. In, in many in most of the countries are very correlated. They they follow like a straight line the correlation, except in few countries. And one of these countries is in, is Cuba. When you have like uh, the the, in, the indicator for education are are really at good level, very high level corresponding to countries that are very well developed, uh, but the economical Even indicators... Even higher, right? So hmm? you, you probably have more literate people than uh, Western uh, I don't know. I, I don't know exactly the numbers relative to the population, but when you compare Cuba is out of the line, and then this creates this contradiction between education and economy that has good and bad sides, no? The, the good side is, of, uh, is it's obvious what is the good side, But the bad side is that the, the the society cannot offer like a proper job or a proper salary to this huge amount of very high educated people. Wonderful. So I leave I leave the audience uh, and uh, ourselves to this contradiction, which is very clear, very interesting uh, per se. Because uh, uh, there is another um, music break this time. Uh, so we have the the the, the I don't know the mythic uh, Buena Vista Social Club with. Uh, Uh, a song that actually it's not very well known, but I like it a lot. It's called, uh, but correct me if I'm wrong, I tu que has hecho. Yeah? Am I, am I right? Correct, correct. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So enjoy. En el toro 
un árbol una niña Carabó su nombre chida de placer Y el árbol conmovido allá en su seno A la niña una flor debe caer Yo soy el árbol Siempre tú, querido nombre y tú, me has hecho de mi pobre to a bold scientist under the shower with uh, uh, so we, you just listen to uh, Bonavista Social Club this uh, uh, mythic have you ever watched them uh, Agustin live I did I was too young at that moment I did <laughs> oh, too young I did yeah, when they I start playing I think that they play more here in Europe than in my country yeah. but they, <laughs> probably the stupid. people in my country think that these are this is the music from the old guys uh, but, <laughs> yeah, but uh, absolutely it's very nice there, yeah, there is no question a, I, I saw them in uh, Budapest, actually, in this Ziget festival. I never saw them. Okay, so I'm more Cuban than you. <laughs> uh, so this song uh, is uh, uh, so was named for the one who want to listen the song back. Y tú que has hecho? What have you done, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, all right. Perfect. I'm good. <laughs> And uh, it's talking about a, 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 a tree with uh giving a leaf, a leaf to, a, to, a, to 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 a, to a, a yeah to a girl to, to a, girl. a girl yeah <laughs> to a chick <laughs> yeah. no to a girl to a girl, to a girl, to a girl. Yeah. all right uh, very nice uh, love song but let's go back to the core of our uh, of our um, 
uh, chat. Uh, so we just, uh, uh, I just stop you uh, when uh, uh, bringing, bringing, up, bringing up this very interesting uh, topic of the contradi contradiction of, very, of having uh, this very massive uh, resources in education. Uh, great, great thing. I like what you said before. So it's, uh, so having education, uh, all, I mean, 90, probably 8% of the people. No, no, I think it's close to 100%. Yeah, so, it's close to 100%. Absolutely, absolutely. The, so, we have education is a, a schools in every small village in the country. Even in the mountains, when, when there are 20 houses, there isn't a school there. I know, I saw I saw really everyone. I have experienced this many times in, in very isolated places in, in Cuba. I, I like what you said. It's a goal uh, by, by its own. So... Um, on the other hand, uh, that's also very interesting that there are not so many resources in research. So it's like having, uh, we discussed about this uh, before, it's like having a lot of professional uh, soccer players, but not having the teams. So it's true that this is good in its own, but probably, yeah, this gap has to be somehow uh, covered. It's difficult because I understand that if, I mean, the, 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 the cover is short. It's, so. it's very difficult to, to fill this gap. But I, I want to address here one example of the, the model that the, the Cuban government built after the Soviet Union disappeared in the 90s. Because at this moment, the Cuban economy completely crashed. We were in a, we were in absolute crisis in all sense if, regarding food, energy, transport, Every aspect of life was in crisis. Shall we explain a little two minutes uh, why this this was the case? Just well, two minutes. Yes, uh, it's, it's very easy to understand. This is based on two factors. First, that the Cuban economy was completely linked to the economy of uh, countries of the socialist bloc at that time, in the time of the Cold War. And all this bloc disappeared in, in less than one year. Then for, for the Cuban economy, it was a, a complete disaster because uh, all, all the goods that, that the Cuban economy exports, now we don't have a market for these goods anymore. And the other reason is the U.S. Embar embargo that is still valid now. The, th the people think that after Obama, the embar embargo disappeared, but it's not true. Embargo is still present. And em embargo forbids that, that the Cuban economy can sell any good to us but also punish other companies to get in relation with cuba even if they are not in us because after that these companies cannot trade with us anymore because they they, they are uh, doing uh, some business with cuba then the the, con the combination of these two factors um, cause a, a huge crisis in the country and then at that moment the the crazy thing is that the the government decide when we didn't have food we didn't have any to made a huge investment in biotechnology. Really? Absolutely. That's, great. That's then, crazy, but probably a good strategy. And then they invest millions and millions. Uh, the, the, the few resources that they have in the 90s, they invest in creating a network of biotechnology, inti biotechnology institution that 10 years after this strategy, uh, proved that they, it, it, it was a really a good idea was a really good idea. Then they, they managed to close the loop be between basic research, producing like vaccines and patents of these vaccines, and then getting access to the market in other uh, developing countries. And then 
this research becomes in profit to the country that in the moment when we really need these uh, resources, uh, we, we have a huge need for that, then it, it proven to be right. But we, we have this moment, we have many people who criticize this investment in science in the worst moment of, of the crisis, but all these institutions are working now. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a good news that, uh, I mean, this money has been uh, invested in the, in the right uh, situation, but uh, it's always the case. I mean, uh, um, uh, it's always uh, how, how easy or difficult uh, is doing research in a country like Cuba. So let's probably generalize a bit to all the, 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 the countries that do not have so many resources. In. Yeah, that, that, that's a very nice question because we can be naive, naive sometimes to think that many of the things that happens there are due to only the political system that we have. Of course, some of these things are true, like the things related with the huge bureaucracy that we have that wants to control every aspect of the, of, of, of the economy and of the companies that are doing research. And sometimes this becomes like in a barrier for more development. I have yeah. experienced this personally. And we also have it in Italy, huge progress. Exactly, yeah, I mean. exactly. Yeah, but for us, it's, it's really a problem. And uh, the, the people in charge in our institutions are trying to fight against this, but it's a very difficult fight. But other problems uh, that we have are problems that are shared across all the countries with poor economies. It's, it's not particular from Cuba. For example, publishing costs money, traveling to conference costs money, reading articles in good journals sometimes costs money, acquiring good data costs money, equipment is very expensive. Then the combination of all these factors creates a gap that is impossible to, to fill by countries that they don't have a rich economy. At the same time, Uh, so the the rich club of of rich so of of country uh, that that have resources to do research they they feed themselves in the sense that uh, the, the one that has money to make the experiment can publish well absolutely absolutely if you if you look at master's university the people that we have working there they are from all over around the world. We have people from India, we have people from Turkey, we have people from Brazil. All these people were educated in their original countries and in many of, in many of these countries, the, the resources invested in education, these resources will never go back to these countries because the, the final product of, of this investment that is a very highly educated person that costs thousands of thousands of euros, Uh, the final product of this of this investment is working here in the Netherlands, and in most of the cases, this person will never go back okay. working there. And so this is the 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 the, the topic of the next part. Uh, thank you very much to introduce it that, because uh, then indeed, uh, as uh, Agustina was uh, was was mentioning, um, so those if you don't have resources, you have to leave. So is leaving uh, a solution for the country uh, you, you live? Probably not. Can countries, uh, can other countries, Western countries uh, can do something for, for the other 
let's say, developing country. So it's some question that we can answer after the next, uh, the next track, which will be something a bit more commercial, something a bit more, uh, even more uh, cheesy. So we have Enrique Iglesias and Juan Luis Guerra with Cuando Me Enamoro. Children, please be quiet, quiet, quiet! Nice. We have special guests for you guys today. Enrique Iglesias y Juan Luis Guerra.
we also big applause big applause from uh, here uh, this was uh, Enrique Iglesias Juan Luis Guerra with uh, Cuando Me Enamoro hope uh, you like it it's a bit cheesy but uh, uh, more traditional and uh, kind of um loungy uh, track will follow. Uh, so we were here asking ourselves how can this uh, this this problem, this this lack of resources can be uh, solved um, uh, lack of resources from developing co- country in uh, science can be solved um, in general. So can can countries like uh, Western countries can can help can can promote, um the the uh, those those developing country how can they they help so for instance uh ne- the netherlands maastricht do you think help uh, cuba by um by employing you well yeah this is a difficult question to uh, to answer from the individual perspective of course helps to come here for the person who comes here because of course you are doing science in in an environment that is way better than the environment that you have in the original country there is no question about that and also you are most of the of the scientists from my country that emigrates that mm, is a there are some of them at least half of the people who work with me are already not working there i would say more how they are doing this is just how they are. The, the impressive things is that even if we grew up in a very difficult moment regarding economy and the education of course suffered the consequence of the embargo and of uh, the economical crisis we are perf- they are performing really well in all laboratories in US and Europe which is which is telling us that the education system is still working well. So this massive resources in, in education, resources. this 99.9% of alphabetization up to the level of college and university, it works. It really works. It really works. And it's still working. So there are some people in other countries that are very pessimist about that. Of course, there are some indicators that are going not as good as we want, but the overall balance is that the education in Cuba is, is great. It's great compared to countries in the same region, of course. Of course, of course, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, we were talking about that, um, which is the, the perspective from from an individual, of course, the perspective of coming here to the Netherlands to work and in science is, is a fantastic opportunity and super grateful to, to the people that offer me this possibility, which are also my friends and we, we are doing a lot of interesting things together, not only regarding work and we, I, I really enjoy being here in the Netherlands. But at the same time, statistically, when we analyze the numbers, most of the people that goes into this situation never goes back to the original country. Then the, the contradiction of this is that if we want to invest m- this money in, in the way that will contribute to the development of those countries, we need to invest this money through valid institutions in the original country, not like, like I, helping randomly individual persons. This is not going to contribute to a sustained development of the original country. We need to look for institutions and to develop collaboration programs in the in the original countries that allows the researchers to come here and go back and also to teach other people there in a way that will be sustainable for the future. Yeah. 
completely agree and actually I can bring also my own experience. I mean, I left Italy in 2003 and uh, now we are, to this, we are uh, uh, in 2019 and I'm still here and uh, yeah, it's di difficult to, to come back. So Spain has the same situation. Argentina has the same yeah, situation. Yeah. So either you have, you are super brave and passionate and, uh, or it's difficult to, uh, and then it's not warranted that if the worldwide we invest more money in science, this money will be correctly distributed. This money will continue increasing the gap between developed economies and developing economies. Yeah. A gap that is very difficult to fill. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, so what, what, what do you think it would be the solution? So kind of a, a worldwide institution that can, can support this country, something that would, uh, I don't know, something like the, the UN, I don't know, UN for, for education, UN for science. I think that it will be great if we can like promote grants that involve institutions from Europe, an institution from, I don't know, Latin America or Africa, but that requires these things. M maybe these things are already happening. I, I, I'm not saying it's not happening. Yeah, but not massively. Yeah, but this will be like the, 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 the path to follow to, to improve the science in, in those countries. But this requires a lot of political will that it's not that the free market is going to create this spontaneously. No. You need this, this should come from the government. Yeah. If not, it's not going to happen. The tendency is exactly the contrary. Because money, uh, money, money concentrates money. here. Money, and, money, and, ask money. And then, as the use, the good universities are here. Also, the companies that are interested in products that are consequence of science are coming here to the Netherlands. They are not going there for looking for what, for example, Havana University is producing. Then, even in the case that Havana University produce a good result. Result, there, there will not be any company interested in developing this product in Cuba. Most probably they will need to sell the patent to the Netherlands. And then a company like Philips, for example, will take this patent and produce this result, this product in the Netherlands. Maybe they sell back the same product to, to Cuba. <laughs> the same product that was produced from an idea that was originally produced there. And, and this is really, really uh, uh, something very sad for, for those countries and for those researchers that They, they, they are more linked to Europe than to the problems that they have in the neurolinear co country. So as we were saying before, so it's, there is a, a closed loop that is difficult to, to break. Yeah, it's, it's a loop very difficult to break. It's really very difficult to break. But, And but uh, it's, it's not clear how this can be solved now. I think that can be solved internally in in countries like my country, when the government controls the resources of the economy, the, we have that disadvantage that the economy is, is doing really not well, that the government can decide to concentrate the resources for protecting the scientific community if they want. Like it has been done, as you said, after that, that, the Russia. That's happened after the Soviet Union disappeared, that we, they focused the, the, the resources in biotechnology. And after this huge a vaccine programs uh, appear. But I stop you here because, uh, uh, I mean, um, although uh, we, we uh, hear all those, those problems, molecular resources, Cuba is doing uh, a lot of, uh, is doing well and is getting a lot of, uh, um, is reaching a lot of uh, achievement. Uh, 
that you can talk about right after the next uh, track that you choose is El Carretero uh, by Guillermo Portabales. Good. So you want to, then you have to explain us later on the lyrics. Eh? Okay. Okay. Because here I, I saw, a, I see a video about countryside uh, campesino. <laughs> right, right. And, okay. So see you in a few minutes. Guillermo Portabales with El Carretero. What is about? Uh, yeah, that's a very old song. Yeah, it is. I think that it's for the 40s, maybe before 1940. Not sure exactly the day that talks about the how is the life of the, the of the yeah of the farmers and in the deep Cuba countryside. But it's, it's a very nice one, very very old. But still, the people 
When you go to the bars in Havana, in all Havana, you can listen to this song. Yeah, that's true. In several versions. Uh, reggaeton probably as well okay hey uh, good so we are almost at the end of the show it was a pleasure to have you here and uh, I thank uh, it's a pleasure always, for me uh, thanks more a pleasure for me <laughs> Uh, I thank uh, Radio De Italiana to host us as every second Tuesday of the month the next one will be a very special uh, edition because it won't be the second but probably i think the first the fourth tuesday of the month and we will we'll have like last year this italian uh, singer uh, davide di rosolini but let's go back to our core topic so uh given this this not very easy situation in uh, research in uh, in cuba uh, i know also by experience that uh, you manage uh, so you achieve a lot of important results Yes. So how would this based on this strategy of creating like biotechnology institutions that connect basic research with companies and they develop products, they manage to produce a lot of vaccines and use using these vaccines in countries that really need this vaccine and selling these products in low prices compared to the prices that you have in the global market. And this this resulted to be good for both parts, for those countries and also for my country and this is working now the two months ago they signed an agreement between Roswell Park New York Cancer Hospital in in US for producing and testing a cancer therapy produced in 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 Cuba and for for Cuban science this was a, a great achievement we we are really very happy of that okay wow So you still can manage to to make things working. There are very uh, there are huge challenges to solve. Yeah, which at are this the, moment the challenge well, indeed. There, yeah. there are like conceptual challenge. First, I want to address this first in the few minutes we have is that for 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 many people there we have two options. One is to becoming a country with an economy based in tourism, because everybody knows that Cuba is a kind of a paradise regarding beach and culture and, and this is okay. But we can also try to develop an economy based in technology, knowledge and human resources. That is another resources that we have. We, we don't have natural resources. Cuban, we don't have petroleum, for example. We don't have like any minerals that we can sell or we can use. Then, or we rely on the tourism or we rely on technology and science or we, we combine both. They are not one or the other, no? But then this is a conceptual uh, decision that the country needs to, to take and that is very difficult. There are people in favor of one and the other. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a complex thing to, to solve. But then there are other practical things that are very difficult to solve is that in the globalized market that we have now, regarding the world, but also internally, because many, many scientists are emigrating to working, for example, like, and renting their own houses, working in restaurants, they, they get more money, they get better salaries if they would work for the private sector than in they work in scientific institutions. Then now is the moment that in which the government needs to protect the human resources that they have and creating some incentive to the people that are abroad to come back, which is very difficult. I know that China is doing something similar, trying to motivate Chinese uh, educated people to go back to the country. Then in, we should implement uh, something similar, but this is uh, still not happening. 
And at this moment, the most critical resources that we have is that we don't have enough smart people for working there in, in the facilities that we have. Now, we, we need to motivate people to stay in the country and also people to come back to the country. Yeah, it's, it is a challenge, uh, right? It's a huge challenge. It's a huge, At the uh, same time, you cannot restrict the freedom of people for traveling because this was the, 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 the politics before that you need to ask some permission for, for traveling, but now this is, it's not current and it's not possible anymore. Then we need to, to motivate people for staying there, but this needs to happen, uh, giving, offering to the people good job opportunities, increasing the salaries compared to the salary of the private sector. And I think that there is no way that this is going to happen if Cuban science remains isolated. This, we need to, to do this in creating collaboration with Europe and with institutions in US that now is very difficult because the embargo is still there. So, but, so the embargo is still there. Uh, it's becoming worse with the Trump administration. Uh, yeah? We so have a change. So this thing, I don't know, honestly. Yeah. Because yeah. no one talked well, about well, it. Trump's actually. first thing he did was like making this story of the sound attacks and he closed the embassy. Then we, we don't have... Uh, Obama opened a U.S. embassy in Havana after like more than 50 years without relationship. Yeah, I remember that. Was, was, was something big uh, appears in every uh, newspaper in the world. And now Trump realized a way that looks like from a Cold War movie to close the embassy again. And then now, now we are at this point. It's not that there is a, the relation went back. The relation went back to zero. So then, uh, then the, 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 the challenge... Yeah, they, they, even at the same time, scientists in US, they, they are very positive of starting relation with scientists in Cuba. It's not that the scientific community of US is against that, but it, it's in, at this moment, it's not a good moment for that in terms of, of politics. But we, we really hope that, uh, uh, so as you were mentioning before, this, this collaboration, it's become real with Western countries. So not, not just promoting individual, but become more, there are not more too, global. There are not too many other choices. We need yeah. to, we need to play with the rule, with the rules of the world that exist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we cannot invent yeah, any other agree, rules. Yeah. Yeah. This is the only way we have. Thank you very much, uh, Agustin Lache Castellanos. Thanks to you, Francesco Gentile. And, uh, but I mean, uh, I promise you uh, one thing that you want to uh, say something to your friends, your parents, your family. I don't know, but uh, you're free because I know that they're listening to you from Cuba. Yes. <laughs> no, I uh, know that. So all my friends there, uh, uh, the, the people that are still with me, maybe some of them are listening to me. Then I want to please speak, speak in your own language and uh, say I just want you to want. say, via Semidei to all my friends that are listening to me because they know what they means that it's like a sign of that the group will remain together doesn't matter where we are oh my god Great. i think that this sentence has never said in the netherlands but they, they will know what it what it means <laughs> thank you very much even more for such a great message i will you will explain me later and uh, i will leave you with a beautiful track uh Agustin also choose this one and was fitting with my choice as well because uh it's a beautiful song uh, for ex alonso solo tu idios from uh, abana blues from the soundtrack of abana blues see you uh in uh, one month Actually, the fourth Tuesday of uh, March. I don't remember which day is that. And uh, yeah, have a nice night. Hoy miro a través de ti Las calles de mi Habana Tu tristeza y tu dolor 
reflejan sus fachadas Es tu alma en soledad La voz, la voz de esta nación cansada 